This is the best podcast on the planet. I'm not being biased at all. Thanks for listening, supporting, sharing, and subscribing to the Mindful Farm D podcast. Subscribe today wherever you listen to stay informed. Share with a few friends. Email Dr. Matman Harrell at themindfulfarmd at gmail.com exclamation point. Connect on Instagram at themindfulfarmd. Check out drmattmanharrell.bio.link for everything about the podcast. A thousand thanks and stay mindful. Each of us shares a relationship with music. In fact, all of Earth acts as a musical chorus. We can hear birds chirping, the wind kissing the trees, the sound of soil crunching under the weight of construction equipment, your favorite song, or your favorite film score, if you're a nerd like me. The fact is, music connects our ears to our emotions. In this episode of the Mindful Farm D podcast, I sit down with a good friend of mine, Colin Angel, who loves music. Not only is he a classically trained pianist, but he also knows how to play the drums. We sit down and we talk about how music has an impact on us and how music can help us cope when we are experiencing stress or just going through the daily life struggle. Hey everybody, it's the mind behind the microphone. Do you know the number one way that we can keep this podcast alive? That's right, it's by you giving us a rating. Wherever you listen, give us five stars. Let me know how we're doing in the comments. You can email me personally at themindfulfarmd at gmail.com. Themindfulfarmd at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. If you have a topic you want to hear about on the podcast, if you have a connection with somebody who could sit down with me for an interview, let me know. Send me a personal email. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Mindful Farm D podcast. Welcome and a thousand thanks for tuning in. This podcast is about all of us. I'm your host and the mind behind the microphone, Mattman Harrell. My focus on this podcast is to explore the mind through genuine conversations, thought-provoking ideas, and the reality that the story of mental health is incomplete. Nation, uh, thank you for listening again to another episode of the Mindful Farm D podcast. My guest today is a good friend of mine, uh, Colin Angel, who's a musician and mathematician for all in- intents and purposes. Uh, he's a he's um, he recently graduated from the University of South Carolina with his degree uh, with the Bachelor's of Science in Mathematics and a minor in Japanese. 
yes, he spent some time over in Japan, and uh, we might get a chance to talk about his experience today and a little bit of what he's what he plans to do with that experience. Uh, but he's passionate about music, all things Marvel Comics. Colin has a long history and relationship with music, and so I invited him on the show today to talk about the impact music has had in his life and how it continues to be a source of creative expression and stress reduction. So, so Colin, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. How do you feel now that you're done with school? Uh, feels great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, um, I definitely forward to it being over. Uh, I love the experience though. Can't, I don't have no, no regrets. It was a wonderful four years. Um, but I'm ready for the next stage of my life. I can say. Awesome, man. The next stage and that, that next stage entails you, um, you sent me some information. You're, you're going to, you're training to become an actuary, right? Yes, that is, uh, that's one of the things, many things I want to do in my life. <laughs> and what, what, um, what about this, uh, jet program, the Japan exchange and teaching program, you, you're working to get back over there to Japan, as I understand it. What do you plan to do with that, um, in that program? Yeah. So the jet program stands for Japan exchange and teaching program. Um, so they have applicants from all over the world, um, outside of Japan. Um, and if you're accepted, then you're allowed to go to Japan and help teach English in regular high schools or middle schools or elementary schools. Um, so it's a very, very interesting program. It's run by the Japanese government in communication with, uh, all of the other foreign governments, in my case, the American government. Um, and I'm waiting to hear back on whether I'll actually be able to go or not. So, and you, and you, you spent some time over in Japan a few years ago, right? That's, that's true. Yep. Summer of 19, summer of 2019. Gotcha. And, um, what, what was that experience like? How was it, you know, living in Japan and (laughs) how long were you there? It was wonderful. I was there for, I was technically in, I was in Okinawa. Mm -hmm. So that's a small Island to the South of Japan. It's, it's still part of Japan, but it used to be its own country. Uh, so it's got its own culture, its own uh, vibe, so to speak. Um, very different from mainland Japan, but they do speak Japanese. So it is, it is still Japan. And it was very fun. I uh, got to meet a lot of people. Um, I was over there actually on a mission trip. And what I was doing was teaching piano lessons because uh, that was my expertise in, uh, in the church is uh, teaching and playing piano, and they they wanted some assistance with uh, teaching new people to play piano for their new uh, church establishments. So that was a very very fun experience. I was there for two months. What was it like, man? Teaching? I mean, music is already complicated, right? I mean, I've yeah. tried my hand a few times at at trying to learn the piano. You know that I've I I dabble a little bit in the guitar, but um just music is already a complicated process. I can't imagine what it was like trying to train someone whose second language may not have been, (laughs) whose first language may not have been English. Well, (laughs) yeah, it would be. But fortunately for me, all of the students I had were fluent enough in English to understand everything I said. Uh, I was definitely not fluent enough in Japanese to be able to uh, teach in Japanese at the time. It may be a different story now. It's a couple couple years later. Um, so, but yeah, I, I definitely didn't have to do any uh, Japanese, you know, piano terminology or anything. <laughs> well, good. 
like I said, I can't. I mean, I I just I, I couldn't imagine how how challenging that that that, um, that would have been. I, uh, I I remember you sharing that story in a, a service we had, a church service we had after you came back, um, or after you know after you had spent some time over there. And uh, one one lady in particular had picked it up so well. I mean, she yes, you know, she was able to play songs after about what? Two, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like two weeks of yeah, training. even less a week, yeah. and a week and a half. It was wow. insane. I've never had a student that adept and that this absorbance of all the information I threw at her because <laughs> it was it was every day we were just learning theory and chords and scales and she was just she was able to take it all in and she was able to apply it herself it was really incredible for me really, yeah man that's 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 impressive we're talking today and this episode is all about music and how it how it impacts um our lives and and the relationship that we have with it um, yes we might get a chance to to dabble a little bit in some of those articles and stuff that that i share with you but for a minute here, talk a little bit about your music origins. I think every every superhero, right? We love superheroes, has yeah. a great origin story. And how did you start your journey um, to becoming a musician? Um, so it's all, I guess it's all thanks to my mom. Uh, she She kind of forced me to start learning piano when I was, I believe, 10 years old. Um, I was not interested in piano at the time at all. Um, I think what I, I did like drums though when I was a kid. I remember there's a video of me uh, playing around on a drum set when I was as young as, as, young as three. Um, so I've always had a sense of rhythm and a sense of beat for me. But um, my mom got me on the piano when I was 10. Um, and I didn't like it for the first year or so. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was a, a girl's instrument, whatever that means, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but eventually it grew on me uh, and I started to kind of own own it, you know, own that uh, ability and that talent. So I just uh, I trained classically under a classical musician for uh, five years. So or I think it was about five years. And then when I went into high school, uh, I transitioned to a new teacher uh, and he taught me a lot of about jazz he showed me the ins and outs of jazz music theory um, and how I could apply that to my church music playing because that's what I was starting to play uh, in church around that time um, and my teacher was able to kind of show me a lot of the connections between church music and jazz music because there's there's a lot and it was very very insightful and helpful um, after high school um, I've just been basically a self-taught musician. Uh, I I go to YouTube. You know, I watch lots of popular music channels like uh, Adam Neely or Charles Cornell, um, and those are very helpful and insightful. And that's how I that's how I see myself as a musician is that I'm always learning, constantly growing. Um, there's never there's never a day where I've learned enough about the piano or learned enough about music that I can just coast for the rest of my life. It's just that there's always something new to explore and something better to refine, you know, something to refine about your playing and how you listen to music as well. It's, it's a, it's an amazing, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, I've loved it. Yeah. What was that? What was that spark that sort of, if you can recall, you know, I don't know how 
sitting down one day and you're 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 practicing a song or practicing practicing a piece and it just sort of something just clicked for you do you remember that day uh or what it was like you know that to, to experience that creative spark where you were like yeah this is this is my jam like i can i can uh i can keep learning in this with this instrument um i don't know if there was a specific moment maybe i I think my teacher pushed me very hard. Um, my first teacher, she advanced me very quickly, and I was—I think like when like when my parents would record me playing, and then I would watch my recitals, and I'd be like, I'd just be like, "Wow, like that's me doing all these like you know these really fast finger movements and mm-hmm. making this beautiful sound." Like, wow, this is actually this is actually something I I should invest my time into because it's actually really rewarding, not only for the people who listen to it, but for myself as well. It's, uh, it's something that it's just rewarding. You know, it's, 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 it's how I see, it's how I take um, investing into any new uh, skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, another hobby of mine is solving the Rubik's Cube. Um, and that's something else that I've started at a very young age and I've continued to this day because it's fun. <laughs> it's yeah. fun to improve at something and to get better at it and refine it, uh, and to get to to try to go to a high level with it because you understand the ins and outs of it. You become an expert at it, and you can start teaching other people about it. And it's just it's just a super rewarding experience. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. that moment was probably like when I watched myself and I could realized mm-hmm. that I was doing something impressive, something yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I tend to be a, a systems thinker and what that, and I've said that so many times on this, on this podcast over, you know, it's brief history so far. And what that means is, you know, a lot of the things that we experience in our lives, um, I truly believe are interconnected uh, and they go a long way into shaping who we are and who we, who we become. And, you know, specifically in the realm of music earlier, you mentioned that, you know, your, your jazz teacher, your second teacher kind of helped you um, navigate jazz, right? The, yes. the genre of jazz and then use that in, you know, church music and in, you mm-hmm. know, whether you're playing gospel or contemporary or whatever the case might be, can you at a high level and maybe unpack some of the connected elements, you know, because a lot of times, and I'm asking this because I think a lot of times we, we compartmentalize um, our experiences and we, co- we compartmentalize our, okay, we're talking about music. We compartmentalize music. We say jazz is jazz, gospel is gospel, you know, classical is classical. And yeah. while each one may have its, its unique traits, I do believe that there is this sort of, there's this relationship that they, that they can all share. So specifically, you know, in your experience, jazz and church music, jazz and gospel, jazz and contemporary you know, what are some of those things, those elements that connect, um, if you can, you can express that. Yeah. So basically my jazz teacher, he really took me down the road of music theory. Um, funnily enough, my classical teacher, when I was teaching, when I was learning under her, um, she tried, she, we had a music theory, like little book, like a workbook that I would work through, but I actually didn't, enjoy that part at all <laughs> the moment when i was when i was at that age all i all i cared about was just trying to play a little song you know yeah uh, but 
when I started learning from my jazz teacher, he's the one who drilled into me the scales uh, that I need to know and the chords that come out of the scale. And that's where I started to see the connections. Um, because in jazz and in church music, you play mainly chords. Um, but these chords are built from the scale of the key that the song is in. So if the song is in the key of C major, then you have a scale that you play. You have a scale that the key of C resides in. And from that C major scale, you can build all of the C major chords. And if you have that understanding, then it start, everything starts to make sense because you listen to, when you listen to a song, you can kind of realize what chords feel like they're at home or what chords feel like they fit in the song and what chords feel like they musically don't fit. Um, and by don't fit, I don't mean it sounds bad. It just sounds, right. it just sounds a little off. It's, it's because what's happening is there's a note in there that's not a part of the, the key's scale. And that's how you, that's what your ear notices. It's like, ooh, what, what was that? It's a little, yeah. it's a little color. It's a little flare. Um, can you, can you, that... can you play some of that? I, I, I know you brought your piano just in case here. Um, can you maybe yeah. demonstrate a little bit of that? Yeah, of course. So, uh, so right now I'll just play the C major scale. Tell me if you can hear it clearly. We hear it. Yep. Okay. So this scale has seven seven notes. I play eight notes, but the last the eighth note is just the same as the first. So I've got C, D, E, F, G, A, and B. And these seven notes are part of the C major scale. So what we notice, what you can notice is these are the notes I've played, but there are five other notes that I have that I have not played in the scale. And those are all of the black keys. Those are the sharps or flats. So this C sharp note, I did not play. This D sharp, I didn't play. This F sharp, G sharp, and A sharp, I did not play in the C major scale. So I'll play the scale again. So if I stay within this scale, then I'm staying within the key of C. If I play chords in it, like the C major chord, if I play a G major chord, or an F major, or a D minor, all of these chords are still using those original seven notes, C, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, and B. And if I stay within those chords, then I'm still within the key of C, and it sounds like it fits. But if I played something like this, uh, what if I played this chord? Sounds like a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little weird because this chord, I'm playing an F minor chord. So I'm playing an F and then I'm playing a G sharp and I'm playing a C. So this G sharp is not in the C major scale. So I'll play the C major scale again so we can re-establish the context we're in. this G sharp note it just sounds off right yeah it sounds like so here's C major 
and if I play C major with this G sharp note instead, that doesn't sound good at all, right? Yeah. Or it sounds, maybe not, yeah. maybe it sounds cool, but it sounds off, right? Right, right. So those are called non-diatonic notes. So the diatonic notes are C through B in the C major scale. And then the non-diatonic notes would be all of these black keys. Um, and that's where all of the theory starts. And that's where it all builds. And that's how you understand the connections between jazz and church music, and even classical music. Um, classical music, they don't use chords as much. They do use chords, but um, they are still building their piece based on what key the song is in. And if they know the key the song is in, then they're using the diatonic framework. So they start with the major scale and they use mainly chords that are from that major scale, or they use mainly notes from that major scale. And if they use and if they use any other notes, then those are called accidentals, and it's notated in the sheet music. Mm. Um, so everything is built from that scale that you have to know. So that's why my jazz teacher he would drill those scales into me every single lesson, uh, and they're very tedious, but they're very necessary. Yeah. So I do the same thing with uh, my piano students. You know, I, 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 as I'm listening to you play and you and you demonstrate for us, you know. I can I can see clearly the connection with that you know music connects our ears to our emotions right and you know even e before you even as you played some of those notes or those chords that didn't belong before you asked me the question that doesn't sound right right like I'm thinking to myself man that sounds a little off right like I I, I had an emotional response to that like okay well, let let's play something different because <laughs> you know I'm, yeah. I'm it, it's it, it doesn't really feel in the context that you were creating, it didn't really feel too good to be hearing that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I had a biological response to that. So why, why do you think, let's, let's kind of theorize a little bit. Why do you think music uh, impacts us so deeply, man? I, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, we've been designed, intelligently designed to, again, have this relationship with, you know, music is, to me, is more than just an art form, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think it has so many uh, implications for our lives, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But wh why do you think music impacts us so deeply? Uh, <laughs> that's a, I know it's a, it's a, it's a lot to unpack, but just, just sort of, you know, what comes to mind when, when you, when you think about, you know, how you play, you know, cause I know when you're, when you're there and you're playing, you're not just, you're not just playing, right? You're you're experiencing mm -hmm. music. There's more than just yes. these equations and this knowledge, right? Like there's a feeling yeah. that goes behind what yeah, you're playing, absolutely. you know? So I'd like to reference my, or I'd like to go back to my jazz teacher again. He's he's kind of the reason that I started being able to see music like this as more than just like a bunch of notes to replicate on a piece of paper. Right. Um, because he kind of recognized that my, um, what I was adept at was the mathematical side of the piano or mm. music. Uh, so I could kind of see the connections, connect the concepts. Um, but he saw that I was lacking a little bit in the uh, feeling department, you know, trying mm. to express yourself in the music. And so that's where he pushed me a little bit more. He would say, okay, I want you to just play something. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
what do you mean? And then he'd be like, just play something. Just just play play what you feel or just try to try to say something with the piano. Mm. Um, and I was very bad at it at first. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Uh, but over time, through my own exploration of music and what it means to people, that's how that what so this comes to one reason I think music affects us so deeply is because we connect it to experiences. Mm-hmm. We connect it to personal experiences. Um, probably the easiest case to see this in is our childhood because the music that we most resonate with uh, is the music from our childhood, right? Mm-hmm. We, have, we are very nostalgic for the music that was played from the time we were teenagers to about to the time we were young adults. Um, and after that time, people tend to not really care for the new music that comes out. They just want to stick to what they, what they are comfortable with. And why are they comfortable with that music and not the new music? Well, it's because music is connected to those personal experiences. And those personal experiences at that time, when you're a teenager, you're trying to find your self-identity, you kind of wrap yourself around everything, around a lot of things around you. And one Mm -hmm. thing you wrap yourself in is the music that you listen to, because the music that you listen to is often associated with the friends that you have. Uh, It's associated with the activities that you take part in, um, whether it's going to dance or going to sing, you know? Um, So I think that's one reason why it affects us so deeply is because we tie it to our identity. You know, and from it, from an empirical perspective, you know, um, what you're saying rings true because in one of the, one of the uh, studies I was looking at and researching, just again, just trying to better understand how music impacts us um, is when you talk about being familiar. So they, they familiarity, right. And connecting music to our experiences one of the things I saw was that we, when they, when they compared familiar music, right, they took, let's just say they took a group, group of people and they wanted to see how uh, the music might reduce their stress levels. And they, they took a group and they said, well, we're going to play something pre, pre-selected for you, right? The re- researchers selected a, a piece of music. Yeah. <clears throat> but then they also had, and some of the studies had where the group, the the study participants selected their own music to play yeah. you know, following a stressor, a, a stressor task. And they showed that the familiar music reduced the stress levels and they measured cortisol and adrenaline and all these different things, reduced the stress level faster and better compared to when, when the researchers selected a piece that the, that the uh, participant was not familiar with. And so what you're saying is, is absolutely true. And it's been, it's been proven time and time again in research. Um, that this familiar association that we have with music helps us in, uh, in, in various ways, you know, um, you know, when, when you've, who hasn't been there before and I know you just finished school, right? So I know that you're sort of, you're getting ready to enter a new phase of stress, but anyway, (laughs) coming out of school, I'm sure you had that, you know, some stressful moments and, you know, we know what happens when, when we're stressed out, again, our adrenaline levels go up our cortisol goes up. We, um, you know, we might experience a faster heart rate, our muscles tighten, our blood pressure rises. We, 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 uh, we navigate or try to navigate this, um, what they call the flight 
fight, faint, or freeze mechanism yes. in our bodies, you know? And, you know, ha- so can you, can you speak about a time, say maybe you were, you were stressed out, right? And you just went to the piano to play some music. Have you, have you ever had an experience like that where the music just, again, it kind of helped, helped you relax, maybe, maybe get over a hump or a slump that you were in? Yes. Uh, something does immediately come to mind. Um, yeah. It was, it was shocking to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing I thought of in that dark moment was to just go to the piano. Um, it was my freshman year of college. Um, so it was a very tumultuous time, you know, trying to establish new roots, make new friends. And, um, something didn't work out the way I expected it to. Right. And it kind of devastated me. But so where I went to express that and to try to materialize it so it wasn't just in my head was at the piano. And... I still remember that moment. So when you say it, when you ask me to bring up an experience like that, it immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really play, I don't really remember a song I played exactly, but just to, just to get it out there, I guess. I've, 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 um, I've seen you play before, right? I mean, I have the privilege of, of um, you know, watching you play in church and singing, singing along with you as you play. And I've sometimes I've sat and just sort of, watched you perform um and you do this thing where when you're playing playing something if you're really feeling it you sort of <laughs> you probably as i said you probably know exactly what i'm talking about but your right your right shoulder kind of goes up a little bit and your neck sort of hangs to the side you know you kind of yeah you know, <laughs> you <kinda laughs> like, what's happening when that what, what's what are you thinking about man when you're when you're playing like that and you're in that you're in that moment right that creative space Oh, that's, that's, those are the best moments because I'm not really thinking as much as I'm talking, I like to think, or I'm singing. Mm. I'm yeah. trying to sing with the piano. And that's the, that's the gap that I had to cross that my jazz teacher was trying to get me to, to cross. Um, and in those moments, in those moments of church where the, where the atmosphere is just at, it's raised to a different level where everyone is kind of, um, I don't know, how would you, how would you describe it? It's like, mm. Ex- I don't know, ex- maybe expectation, hopefulness. Um, yeah. And, you know, what, and there's sometimes like when a, when a song is played in church, you can kind of tell when it's connecting to the audience or not, when yes. the lyrics are meaning something to them or when it's just going through the motions. And when the song is really hitting, that's when I find myself, find it easier for me to tap into that groove where I'm just kind of carried by the music, I suppose. Um, And I'm able to just let the piano sing for me. Uh, so, So to me, like, an instrument is just as vital to a band as the vocals are. Mm. Um, and this is why jazz is so impressive and so impactful is because jazz musicians, they don't see their instruments as just background noise or as background pieces of the vocals who are doing the real music or the real song. 
No, no. The musicians are also playing the real song. The mm-hmm. vocals are a part of it as well. Everything fuses together. Yeah, it's a system. Yes, you know? it's a yeah. wonderful. It's a wonderful composition. Yeah. Um, and I think people should be allowed to express themselves in those moments. Uh, and that's what. That's what I do in those moments. Yeah. I, um, you, you know, you, you just said something, my wife and I were having a conversation the, the other day, um, uh, about, you know, Hannah's classically trained, um, you know, vocalist and, um, she's, she's toured with her high school, um, uh, down in, uh, Vero beach, Florida, uh, concerts and the, you know, whatnot. And, and again, singing classic, classical music. And then of course, she's also uh, been involved in, church services, you know, varying churches across her, her uh, upbringing. But we were having a conversation the other day about this thing. You, you just mentioned something about how the vocals are just as vital as the instruments, right? And the two, the two go hand in hand. Well, she, um, uh, the other day, you know, in service, we kind of, we always sit down and we talk about, you know, how service went and whatnot. And, um, she said to me, babe, you know, you, you sounded really good, you know, when you were singing. And I said, yeah, you know, I think, I think running, running is helping me, um, to have, you know, broader, not just broader range, but just be able to open up my lungs more and this kind of thing. She said to me, you know, she said, you know, you're, you're, people make the mistake of thinking that your body is not an instrument. It is. And she said that when she was training, uh, classically, her, uh, teacher would tell her, listen, if you're not, if you're not hurting a little bit after you sing, you're not doing it right because you're, you know, you're, you're using your lungs, you're using your, your diaphragm and these muscles to expand and bring in air. And then, you know, you're, you're going through this process, just like, you know, you get, you get the, get the, uh, the image of a horned instrument, like, as yes. you, you know what I'm saying? Like as you expand and let that air in and then you contract to let that air out, your body is going through a process of, of exercise. Ah, um, yeah. You know, and and I would imagine it's the same on an instrument as you're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Your body you know, is literally making music. Yeah, yeah. And that, I I think that's powerful, man. Because again, music is so awesome, dude. Because it, it it's more than just it's more than just something you you do, right? More than just it's like you said earlier, it's an experience, and you yeah. If you give yourself to it. Um, you know, I think that that's what makes some of the great, um, uh, greatest musicians, greatest vocalists is that they really give themselves to, to that experience to be used, um, you know, in that moment to maybe to help themselves cope or to help somebody else cope, mm-hmm. um, or to help somebody else overcome. You know, we, you, you listen to their lyrics and, and you listen to the, the melody of the song and how everything is playing. And it really does bring out, um, again, this emotional response and this emotional experience, you know, I, I, I know for a fact that in, in, uh, therapy, for example, clinicians use music as a way to help people cope through or following traumatic experiences. Um, they might use, um, there's this thing called drum circles where, oh, people yeah. sit down, you know, and they, and they, they, they improvise, uh, mm. and, you know, and play different, um, different beats or whatever. And, they found this technique to help sufferers following a, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. So, I mean, it has implications for military personnel. It has implications for people who might be uh, victims of uh, sexual abuse or sexual assault. And, you know, these, you think that music is just this separate 
thing that we can just we can learn and we can have knowledge behind. But man, it it has you know really it does it it has healing powers, you know. So yeah, um, it's uh, I don't know. Some people like to theorize about like why exactly it feels we get that resonant feeling with music. Yeah. Um, and some people think it has to do with like the actual frequencies of the the notes that are being played. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of like attune your body to it or so- somehow, but I don't know. That's just, uh, that's just, you know, there are lots of theories for why, why music is so resonant, why we can resonate with it and connect it to so many other things in life. Yeah. They, I mean, they've even, they've even found too, um, looking at one of those articles I sent you, the National Institutes of Health. They've even found that in children, music training can assist in language development. You know, when they compare children who've been trained to play the piano, for example, or to sing, um, they, you know, compared to people who or children who haven't been trained, this, you know, learning music can actually help children develop language skills. I mean, that's, yeah. that's powerful, man. I mean, mm-hmm. in, uh, in 2017, the John F. Kennedy Center for Performing Arts and the National Institutes of Health they launched this uh, this initiative called Sound Health, Music and the Mind. And their whole goal was to bring together um, neuroscientists, music, music therapists, and uh, other biomedical researchers in an effort to deepen our understanding of how music can be used. Um, music can be used clinically, you know, and for mm-hmm. us, yeah. the majority of, of, I would say, I wouldn't say the majority, but well, maybe the majority of my experience with music has been in church, um, yeah. you know, in terms of a positive, you know, positive experience with music. But I mean, I've even gone so far as to listen to, and I'm, I'm going to nerd out a, a minute here. So go, go with me, Colin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I like to listen to um, uh, soundtracks, for yeah. example, big, you know, big blockbuster movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite new, uh, music composers is uh, Michael Giancino, who's who's done so many different movies. One of my favorite ones being um, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Mm. And you know, my my boys even can recognize when I turn on, you know, MG Michael Giancino when I turn on his music and start listening to it. Like we're we're it's like we're watching the movie all over again. Because yeah, we can, <laughs> we can connect connect with that moment in the movie when this big score is going on, and you know. Mm-hmm. All the instruments are playing and stuff, man. I, I again, I, I I love music, man. Yeah, um, it it's it's uh it's it's how art it's it's one of the ways art is so beautiful because the point of art is to express is to express things or express ideas, express emotions. You're always expressing something. Uh, and you express it through different channels, and music is one of those. Uh, and in something like a movie or a film, they have multiple channels to express this art through, right? They have the visual, yep. they have the human with yep. the actors, you know, yep. and they have the voices of the actors. Uh, they have the ideas of the author or of the writers, yep. and they have the director who's communicating, so there's the communication aspect. So like the Avengers theme, you know, that always uh, it has that motif that goes, and you know, when you hear that, you just get that rush, you get that feeling of majesty or like of yeah. 
heroism, you know, yeah. it's like, Something's they're here to save. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm almost, that's You're why right. national yes. anthems are so, so, you know, impactful, impactful important yeah, sure. to have. Yeah. So as we, as we kind of, um, uh, you know, round it out, what I like to ask my guests, what is, um, what is mindfulness to you? So one interesting, I think an interesting synonym, I thought about this a little bit because uh, you gave me this question before. So I've realized that a synonym of mindful that is often used is considerate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I thought about that word a little more, considerate. It has the word consider in it. And to con- that's a cognitive function, right? Uh, yeah. It means thinking, basically. So to be mindful. But what's interesting is that when we say the word considerate, we use that in a context where we're trying to uh, be considerate of someone's feelings, usually, right? Mm-hmm. Or be considerate of their circumstance or their situation and try to understand them. So it's not that it's not the way we think of like rationalism, where we try to like come up with an argument. It's not that kind of considering where you do some kind of philosophy. No, yeah. it's the kind of considering where you you consider the person, you consider everything around you. Can you consider yourself, your thoughts, where you're coming from, but you also consider the person that you're interacting with or the people you interact with. Um, and that's, I think, what being mindfulness is about. It's being mindful of yourself, and that means your biases your presumptions, your past, you know, the memories that you cling on to, uh, that you derive your identity from. Uh, And then you also are mindful of how that interacts with the world around you. So with the people that you interact with, you're concerned of their perspectives, of their opinions, and their background, right? Um, And you kind of realize that everything around you is comes from somewhere which comes from someone mm. so that's i think what being mindful is is to me it's yeah. um how do you practice uh mindfulness do you have uh, specific practices? read maybe mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> reading yeah. reading's probably actually really a really good way to, to practice that um because you're engaging the thoughts of someone else right uh and then you're trying to uh synergize that with your own life um i just finished writing a thesis uh to graduate with honors at the university of south carolina i had to write a thesis and i did my thesis on interpreting the bible mm-hmm. um from a philosophical perspective so i learned a lot about hermeneutics which is the kind of the study of interpretation yeah and that's where i learned a lot about how reading is not a one-way street. It's not just you absorbing information, lending your perspective to the information and then interacting with that information, and then it comes back to you. So Mm. that's how I've learned to kind of see see what I'm doing when I'm reading. Uh, That's a good way to practice mindfulness because um, you're mindful of yourself and then you're mindful of the thing you're interacting with and then you're mindful of the person that provided the thing that you're interacting yeah. with. 
Awesome. Getting, yeah. I'm getting in very philosophical territory right no, now. No, I like that. No, <laughs> I, I like that because, you know, again, the, these are things that we, we need to be thinking about, you know, as we, again, this episode's been about music, but even when we're, you know, playing, singing, listening, uh, improvising, creating, when we're, when we're having this, uh, this interaction with music, I mean, music is a way, you know, for people, for you to practice mindfulness um, and yes. just being aware of what's happening in your, in your body as you listen to those chords, play those chords. It's about awareness and, and knowing, yes. Hey man, you know, when I play this C major or this, you know, F sharp, there's a biological response happening um, where, where I'm, I'm, and it's going to be different for everybody. To some people, it might, it might cause them to relax. It might, you know, depending upon what you're playing and the musical piece you're listening to, but it might cause some people to relax and it might cause some people to, to want to, you know, put on their running shoes. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But the point is, you know, you're, you're aware of what's happening to you uh, and yeah. happening to your body in that moment. So um, who, who's your favorite artist or music composer or singer? Who, who's your favorite? Just pick one. Um, I don't know. You got to pick one. <laughs> What I appreciate the most in an artist is someone that isn't just manufacturing a song. They're trying to write a song. What I mean by that is like they try to compose a piece when they write. So uh, ask the band to be like, hey, play something that sounds good for this. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. but the artists I respect the most are the ones who go through the whole process. So someone like Israel Houghton. For example, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's very good at this, for the most part. Um, another good one is Ty Tribbett. He's a mm -hmm. gospel gospel artist. Uh, his songs, you can many of them. You can very you can easily you can see that he's present in the process. He's present in the song. His footprint yeah. is very unique. Usually. He takes different directions that not everyone does, uh, uses different instruments or different ways. So it's always a delight to listen to a new song of his because I know it won't. It'll, ha it'll sound like Ty Tribbett, but it won't just sound like, you know, the last song you played and the song that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Both of those are actually one of my two favorite uh, artists as well for that same reason. And, yeah. you know, if, if I could sort of um, get some input too, my, one of the, one of the things I like, I like in an artist is the story um, that yeah. the, that not only that the music tells, but that the, uh, the lyrics tell. And yeah. one song in particular, I was listening to the other day by Israel Houghton and he, um, he, he talks about, God's love in it, you know, and he says, I think the chorus goes, um, that's, uh, uh, hold on, give me a second, um, that's why I love you, because you first loved me, because you first loved me, and then the bridge, he goes, he kind of gives more reason, he gets, he says, you gave me a hope, you gave mm -hmm. me a future, I love you, I love you, because you first loved me, and it's like, you can almost, you know, if you know a little bit about Israel, you can almost see, you know, he, he, he came from a broken home. Um, he lived in, uh, uh, you know, the projects for all intents and purposes, mixed cultures. He was a, 
he was the son of uh, 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 I think his father was black, his mother was white, but he grew up in a Hispanic neighborhood. Um, you know, and, and, and so when you listen to him sort of unpack his story in his songs about yeah. the you know, grace of God in his life and how, you know, God gave him a hope and a future. And, and it's just the way he writes it, he kind of got like this smooth jazz kind of tone to it. I don't know, man, that just, again, what you're saying is awesome because it, again, the, the, the story is what you relate to, um, uh, for me anyway, you know, when I'm listening to a piece of music. In case you weren't aware, between two uh, half steps, so I'll go to the piano real quick, just yeah. to demonstrate this, between a C and a C sharp, this is a half step, okay. which is the shortest interval on the piano that you can play. But actually, between those two notes, there are 100 degrees of pitch that you can actually adjust and uh, play. Not necessarily on a piano, but maybe on another kind of instrument. And you mm -hmm. can definitely do it with your voice. And Jacob Collier is able to identify what degree of what note is being sung. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he has, like, not just perfect pitch, but, like, super perfect pitch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he uses that talent in mind-blowing ways. All of his songs are... They take you to realms of keys of music that you never thought possible. And it's just, it's just incredible. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to yeah. check him out. Let's see if I can find some of his, uh, some of his music and take a, take a listen to one last, one last question. Um, and I, it's probably going to be as hard as the last one, but what is your favorite song? <laughs> uh, I feel like this changes all the time, so yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just uh, talk about one that I have on my mind right now. It's um, it's a Jacob Collier song. It's called "In Too Deep." Uh, in too deep, like in too, like uh, too far. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a section in it. It's the it's kind of has two parts. Uh, the the second part has it. Uh, it's just to listen to and try to dissect because he layers uh, like, I don't know, like four or five different rhythms on top of each other. So he'll play, he does a rhythm that's like four, just four beats. Then he does a rhythm that's like uh, beats. And he does one that's like 12 and one that's five. <laughs> um, wow. But he layers them in a way to where they all sync up at, uh, at the right moment. And then it repeats. And it's hard to keep track of at first, but the more you listen to it, the more you're able to follow it. And then, like, for me, it's just fun to, like, uh, kind of track one of those one of those parts. It's like one of those parts might be, like, a drum uh, drumstick clacking the side of the snare. Mm -hmm. um, and then another part might be, like, um, I don't know, like a shaker or something. Um, so you can listen to it multiple times, and you can... Um, focus on different aspects of it and it makes it fun to listen to each time. Well, in too deep check that out. Man, Colin, yeah. it's been, it's been, uh, it's been awesome, man, having you on. Um, I mean, there's so much more that we could say about, again, our, our relationship with music and mindfulness and how it, 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 it improves our well-being. You know, I'm, 
I'm a pharmacist. Yes. And automatically when I say that people think, well, okay, well you're into drugs and (laughs) and using these things to, you know, to help people. And, and there's space for that. Right. I mean, there's whole industries banking on people being sick. I have my own personal opinions of those, but Hey, we can share that another time, you know, (laughs) but, but I love talking to people about different ways um, of, of, you know, really healing. So when you experience traumatic events or, you know, just not even traumatic. I mean, just trying to overcome the stress of studying, the stress of working, the stress of living. Um, and you go, you know, you go to what we talked about today. You go to a musical number, you go to a piece of music and you let it, um, you let it help you. You let it flow through you. Um, and just again, become aware and mindful of what it's, what it's doing to you and how it's impacting you. Um, but anyway, as we, as we end, I want to say, you know, again, thank you for coming on. I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future to talk more about this stuff and other stuff that you're into. And by the way, I mentioned earlier, folks, Colin is, uh, again, a recent grad and he's going to be going away and hoping to go away to Japan for a while to teach, uh, English. And, um, if you want to reach him, support him. If you want to schedule, uh, get a chance or an opportunity to schedule some virtual lessons, he's looking into setting that up as well. My man is is able to teach you um, how to learn or how to play the piano, learn about music, um, and and you're really you're you're going to be really in for a treat uh, because he's passionate about it and he cares about um, your experience. So if you want to reach him, look him up on Facebook, C O L L I N Colin Angel with two L's. And you can email him at S-O-N-I-C-O-L-L-I-N-98 at gmail.com. Colin, want any last words you want to share? Um, yeah, feel free to hit me up if you're interested in learning piano. Um, I'm looking to take on new students. So any, any new students, uh, anyone who's interested, feel free. And uh, we can talk about it. Uh, lo- I love sharing my passion for music as as Mammoth said um, you won't just be learning piano you'll you'll be learning how to play music there thank you awesome man awesome wonderful well Colin thanks man I appreciate it so much yeah thanks for having me on yeah man I leave you with this focus your thoughts on what is true noble righteous pure lovable or admirable on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Think about these things. I leave you with this. Focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable. On some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Think about these things.